Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. My bad! <laughs> Good to be back, Mike. Morning, Glenlyden! for this day for three months. So good to see you all again. And for those of you that are online, I can't see you, but you can see me. And I'm four pounds heavier, or four kg heavier. We walk 16k a day, uh, 16,000 steps a day, and I still put on weight. So maybe if you're online, I can see you next week and give me a hug. There's much more of me to hug today. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Hey, um, have you ever felt trapped? I'm not talking about the kind of trap that when you go to the zoo, you see a lion in all their majesty trapped in a cage, or or you see a gorilla, or an elephant, or a giraffe, and they're they're trapped in their cages. I'm not talking about that kind of trap. I want to talk about something a little more personal than that. The kind of trap that you you have when you, you feel comfortable in what you know. And sometimes, you know, I can, I can live in fear and, and I can be so comfortable in that fear that it traps me. And, and to move out of that space into the unknown is too scary. Or, you know, I can feel comfortable in a job that I absolutely hate, but I know it so well. And, and it's, going into the unknown is a little too scary. Or maybe it's a relationship. That's not good for your health, but you know it and you're comfortable in that space. And to move into the unknown can just be a little too difficult. So this morning, I want to help us journey from moving from the known into the unknown. Aaron, can you pop it for me, mate? Thanks, bro. In 1835, Major Collins the Jersey grew stood at the foot of the grave of his first wife. She was 20 when she died. And Collins stood there at the grave of Sarah Grew. It's kind of weird that when we think about it. But this is the grave of Sarah Grew from 1835. And when he stood there, he didn't know what the future would hold. I suspect that Major Collins was a man of faith because in uh, 1772, the Grew family were instrumental in building a church in Guernsey. And um, I know this because it was Collins' parents, Peter and Anne Grew, that were in the group that built the church. Sarah and I had the the pleasure of worshipping in that church a few weeks ago in Guernsey on a Sunday. And it's just how I would have built it. It wasn't one of those churches you pay 15 pounds to go into to see the glorious stained glass windows and and the history of the floor and the dungeon and the bell tower. None of that. It was really plain. And, And if you were walking past, you could walk past and not even know that this church was there. But sitting in that church on that Sunday, it felt right. I thought, this is what I would build. 
and, and we were there at, a, at the contemporary service with all the parents and their kids, and, and they're running around, and we were singing the songs that we knew, and it was just a wonderful experience. You know, I've always been drawn to Guernsey. Now, if you don't know where Guernsey is, it's part of the Channel Islands, which is between England and France. It kind of just sits down in here. And Guernsey is where my family come from. So when, when we arrived on the ferry that day, and I stepped out of the ferry and put my foot on Guernsey for the very first time, it was, felt like I was kind of coming home. And, and I thought, now I'm about to walk in the footsteps of my whanau. Uh, and I want to find out what my family was like. One of the landmarks that was important for us to find was the gravesite of Sarah Groom. Now, I had enough information to know that this gravesite was in Vault 7 in the Brothers' Cemetery in Guernsey. So, easy, right? Let's find the Brothers' Cemetery. Nobody knows the Brothers' Cemetery at all. It's not on any maps. It's nowhere. No one knows where this thing is until Sarah and I get to the Guernsey Museum and there's a young guy behind the counter who says to us when we ask that question, where's the Brothers Cemetery? He goes, I don't know the Brothers Cemetery, he says, but I know that one day I was walking down the road here. And as I was walking down the road, I turned and I looked up and I saw a gravestone. Now he says, I don't know if that's the graveyard, but he said, that might be it. So Sarah and I went on a journey. The live Sarah Groom, not the dead one. The live one. We went on a journey and we found the Brothers Cemetery right where he said it would be. Oh, it was run down and it was, it, you know, it's falling apart and there's a little sign on the wall as you go in that says that there are a bunch of people trying to restore this place so that people would remember those that have been buried there. Now, we knew it wouldn't be easy at one minute. It's not a big cemetery, but it's, it's so broken down, it's going to be hard to find the gravesite of Sarah Grew. But my Sarah, she's a bit of a research artist, gets on her phone and she finds, finally finds a map of the Brothers Cemetery and finds Vault 7. I thought I'd already found it anyway. So we kind of collided together and we found the gravesite of Sarah Grew. And we cleaned it off a little bit. You know, it's quite ornate. You know, he must have been a man of means, Collins, because it's quite an, an, an elaborate um, grave site that sits on the hill looking out over the city and the harbor of Guernsey. And I stood there and I thought, wow, over 200 years ago, my ancestor stood right here at the grave of his first wife. Everything he's known the dreams that they had for a marriage and, and children, where they were going to build their home, the dreams of, of the adventures they would have together, everything he knew was buried in that, that tomb. And now, 200 years ago, as Collins turned to walk away from the grave and took his first step, he stepped into the unknown. Little did he know that 50 years later, from taking that first step, that he would be buried so far away in a place called New Zealand 
when his name was on the tombstone in Guernsey. You know, as we look at the story of Israel, and today we're in Joshua chapter 1, we're at the point where Israel, after 40 years of journeying in the desert, of being a nomadic people, everything they know have known for the last 40 years, they've got comfortable with. And now they're sitting at the Jordan River, and they're about to step into a land that they've never stepped before. They're about to step into the unknown. It's a turning point in their journey. You know, it's been 40 years since their last attempt to go into the promised land. Their leader Moses has died, and the mantle of leadership has passed to a man called Joshua. Joshua is very special. When you read about him, you learn to understand that Joshua is a man who believed in God. And he believed that God would follow through on every promise that he made. Now we know this because we find it in Scripture. You right remember the story of when they first came to the promised land. And Moses sent in 12 spies. Do you remember the story? He sends in 12 spies, and they return from, from, from the promised land with stories of, of fruit and, and grapes and, and giants. And here it is, and the nation of Israel rejected the idea of going into the promised land because of the giants. But in Numbers 14, 6 to 8, listen to this, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb who were among those who explored the land, they tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Joshua and Caleb believed the promises of God so we know that Joshua is a man who believes the promises. But because Israel didn't believe it, they stopped receiving what God wanted them to have. Perhaps, like the Israelites, we have stopped receiving what God wants us to have. I think of joy. And hope. I think of a future. Perhaps we become too comfortable with the known and we're unwilling or afraid to step into the unknown, even when God is calling us. And when we refuse to do that, we tend to wander as the Israelites wandered for 40 years. And we fail to step into what God has for us. Well, God speaks to Joshua, and when he does that, he reiterates the promises of land and what he needs to do to lead Israel to success. 
Let me read to you Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And as I do that, I want you to listen really, really carefully for the promises that God gives. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, to the, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit a land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, Joshua, you will be prosperous and you will be successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These are the words of God to Joshua. Fulfilling the promises and encouraging him to step from what is known into the unknown. And as we read this, there are four things I want to leave with you. Um, can you just flick through? Because I didn't bring the clicker up, man. Just, just go through. There's the church. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Click through again. That's the inside of the church. Just simple and easy. Again, there's me at the grave. And again. No, that's perfect right there. Thank you. Um, there are four things you need to know to step from what you know into the unknown. Number one. Receive God's challenge. Verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. After Moses died, God challenged Joshua to take the Israelite nation across the river to process the promised land. Hey, it's not going to be easy. There's a heck of a lot of people. The Jordan River is at flood stage during this time of year. I mean, come on, God. Why not the summer? You know, when the river is lower and it's easier to cross, surely then it would be easier, right? Lord, I'm not ready yet to take up that ministry role. I'm too busy, God, to step into what you're calling me to. Lord, I need more money before I can serve you in any capacity whatsoever. Despite the circumstances, Joshua accepts the challenge that God gives him. You see, we honor God in our willingness to trust him, particularly when we step into the unknown. You know why? Because God wants to walk across the river with us. Yeah? God often reveals his power best in the times of seemingly great challenge. 
so. Accept the challenge that God has given you to walk into the unknown. The Israelites were preparing to walk where they had never walked before, into a land that was unknown to them. There were a brand new generation who did not know what the future would be. We don't know what the future holds for us. Young people, step into what God has for you in the church. Step into the unknown. Every morning is a new day. It's always full of the unknown, right? Don't fear the unknown. Fear stops us from facing the challenges that God brings our way. Following God into the unknown creates a dependency on Him, which can lead to success. Number one, receive God's challenge. Number two, recognize God's commitment to the journey. Verse five, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, Joshua, I will be with you. And I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Joshua knew that God would follow through on his promises. He knew that God was with him. And God promised to be committed to Joshua and the nation of Israel. When I think of that, I think of Matthew 28, 19 to 20. You know that you know that passage. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, Jesus, friends, has promised to be with us. And this promise is for all believers from all generations who are faithful followers of his. He promises to be with you. He is committed to you. Number two, recognize God's commitment to the journey. Number three, God's promises his powerful presence. God promises his powerful presence. You see in verse five, God reminded Joshua that no one would be able to stand against him or the nation of Israel. Not because they're a powerful nation, but because of God's power. When we walk into this relationship, with Jesus, when we accept him as Lord and Savior, he too promises his power and presence for our lives. He's promised his power and presence for our lives. God gives Joshua a threefold command where he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. The middle one, however, is very interesting. Because in the middle one, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be, 
Joshua, you will be prosperous and successful. Prosperity and success that we're talking about here is not about money. This is not financial success. This is success that comes when we are focused on God and obedient to Him. It's very different. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. See, success in life for each one of us is when we seek to see the crown of God where we are focused intensely upon Him and nothing else, and we're consistent and faithful to Him and His Word. That's where our success sits. For Joshua to be successful, he must live with this intensity of focus on God. He must live a life of holiness and obedience. God, why haven't you answered my prayers? You know, I prayed for that new car. Why didn't I get it? You know, God, you know, I just, I've got a sore ankle. Why haven't you healed it? God, why haven't you answered this? God, why haven't you answered that? I wonder if we stopped doing that and we sat down and said, God, am I leading a life of holiness and obedience? prayers might change. (laughs) Joshua is the instrument for the people to inherit the promised land. He needs to be strong. If he's weak, Israel is in serious trouble. (coughs) Success for Israel was contingent on obedience to God's word and the intense focus on God alone. As I've been away, I've been reading some of the stories of leadership in churches around New Zealand and Australia and how leadership's falling apart in different places. And I wonder if, if the focus was intensely on God and on His Word and nothing else, maybe things might be different. It's a wake-up call for me. It's a wake-up call for the elders and anyone else who wants to be in leadership. You see, God calls us to be obedient to His Word in our lives, to to live a life of holiness and obedience. Um, This respect for God's Word for each one of us is to be, number one, complete. Just as Israel was to obey the law, we are to implement God's Word into our lives. We cannot treat Scripture like a buffet line at a restaurant. You can't walk through Scripture and go, oh, that piece, yeah, that's good. I'm feeling a bit, oh, that piece there works for me today, Mm, that one looks yummy. I'll have that one right there. You, you can't treat Scripture that way. We live in the meta-narrative of Scripture, the big story, the big picture. We are the sons and daughters of the living God. We're the children of God, and we sit in history in a piece of that Scripture where God is doing something today, and He's creating a future for each and every one of us, as He did for those in the past, as He will do for those in the future. You cannot select Scripture, piece by piece. If we are to respect God's word, it must be complete. Number two, it must be consistent. God told Joshua not to vary from the law. He was to obey the entire law and to do so every day. 
This was not to be a weekend religion that made no difference in daily living. This is not a Sunday experience that disappears when you wake up Monday morning. No, Christianity, loving Jesus Christ, is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It doesn't matter whether he answers your prayers or not. It's a lifestyle of commitment to focusing on the Christ who loves us. For the Israelites, getting to where God wanted them meant facing their challenges with the promised presence of God and doing as God directed. Nothing's changed today. There is nothing. Nothing's changed. Those are still the requirements for Christians who want to move where God wants them to move. And lastly, God's presence is personal. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God promised to fight for Israel. It was God's presence that enabled the people of Israel to face the challenges of ahead. God was with them. Joshua was not to rely on the the military might of Israel, he was to rely on God alone. And Christ has made the same commitment to us. We're not alone. The Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. He's here now, today, with us. God's presence becomes personal when we respect God's command. Friends, we're not alone. We're not alone. God's presence is powerful and it's personal. And knowing that, what is holding you back from moving into what God wants for you? What do you need to let go of to move from what you know into the unknown? I want us to pray. Two things. Number one, first, I want to pray for those who want the strength and the courage to walk into what God has asked you to walk in. And you'll know that in your heart. You'll know what God is saying to you. It will be resonating with you. I want to pray for you that you would have the strength and courage to walk into that. And secondly, the second prayer point is I wonder if some of us need to rededicate our lives to Christ. To say, Jesus, my focus needs to be intensely on you. I need a life of holiness and obedience. So number one, I'm going to pray for strength and courage that you can move from the known to the unknown, move into what God's got for you. And secondly, if you want prayer to rededicate your life back to Jesus, I want to do that this morning as well. So here's how we're going to do it. I'm just going to get Glenn. Oh, Glenn's gone, isn't he? He's got his birthday to go to, yeah. Um, um, Braden, could you come up and just give us a little background sound? That would be great. And um, as we're finishing off, I just invite you to come forward for prayer. The prayer team will be here. And um, we want to pray for you on either one of those counts. And if you feel the Spirit of God moving you that way, please 
come forward. We want to pray. It's nothing scary. It's sometimes moving from uh, being in your comfortable known seat and moving into the unknown up here, and that's okay um, because we're here to comfort you and to pray with you, and we know that God is with you. And remember this as we go. God wants to walk through the river with you. He wants to walk through the river with you. Let me just close this piece off with prayer. <coughs> Father, thank you so much, um, Lord, for the lessons we learn when we, we read about your people, the Israelites, and just how much, Father God, you have followed through on your promises, and you never left them, you've never forsaken them, you are always there as you are with us today. And I want to give you thanks for that, Lord, and, and I just want to pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us through the spirit that's living in us to be able to move out of the things that we need to move out of so that we can embrace everything you have for us. Praise your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. So Braden's just given us a little bit of background atmosphere. It helps sometimes when we're praying. But hey, look, you're free to, um, I think there's a, there's a meal, um, a lunchtime meal, and we will get there shortly. But, you know, if you feel like you need to go and you want to do that and get a tea or coffee and just relax, you're, you're very welcome to do that. Um, but I encourage you, um, just as we stand together, if you're feeling either one of those points of call, please come forward and we'll pray for you this morning before we finish. Thank you. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.